0: and fourth Fridays of the month at 2.30. The producers for Education Today are Kevin Cartwright and Jaron Epstein. The board op for today's program is Erica Bridgman, and I'm your host, Kitty Kelly Epstein. We'll be talking with you soon. Bye-bye.
1: There will be a benefit concert for the Ecology Center at Ashkenaz on Sunday, June 28th. This is also a CD release party for the Wild and features special guest artist Country Joe McDonald. The doors open at 6.30. Country Joe will play a solo acoustic set starting at 7.00. Followed by two sets of dancing to the West Coast Mardi Gras music of the Wild Bugs. Ashkenaz is located at 1317 San Pablo Avenue at Gilman and Berkeley. Phone 510-525-5054. Again, that's 510-525-5054. Or go to www.ashkenaz.com. Again, that's triple ashkenazcom Sunday, June 28th, and benefits the ecology.
2: And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is a minute past 3 p.m. Up next is cover to cover open book.
3: I'm Brian DeShazer, director of the Pacifica Radio Archives, and welcome to From the Vault, our weekly series that brings our history out of the closet and onto the radio. This week we listen to the dawn of the modern gay liberation movement following the Stonewall riots in 1969 through the tumultuous decade that followed, ending with the killing and assassination of San Francisco Supervisor Harvey Milk and the White Knight riots that followed. First, we present a KPFK Gay Day broadcast that was originally aired in 1979 on Pacifica Station KPFK in Los Angeles. This was the second year KPFK would produce a special Gay Day broadcast, a tradition that would continue until 1995. The program begins by recapping Pacifica's coverage of the Stonewall Inn police raids and the subsequent resistance in the early morning hours of June 28, 1969, that has become infamously known as the Stonewall riots. June 28,
2: 1970. Power, gay
0: is power, Thousands marched in New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles. They represented the mood of growing militancy in the United States gay community. It was actually a commemoration day as much as a Civil Rights Demonstration, Because one year before, thousands of homosexuals rioted in New York's Greenwich Village section. The disorders began with a routine police raid on a homosexual bar, the Stonewall on Christopher Street, in the heart of the West Village, commonly referred to as the gay ghetto of New York. By the end of the week, scores of police and rioters had been injured, many were arrested, and one man, a cab driver, was dead. Almost every homosexual who was in New York at the time of the Stonewall Rebellion has his own private memory of what took place. One of the longtime leaders of the gay rights movement, Craig Rodwell, remembers it this way.
4: If I was there every night, uh, the first night was Friday. I was on the way home from a friend's house. Uh, The raid was just starting at that time, and we noticed the crowds, so we went over there. And a crowd was gathering out in front. There was a paddy wagon pulled up and a few people being taken out. The crowd was very quiet at the time. I wasn't. I I started yelling, gay power, and get the mafia out of the bars. And my lover nudged me and told me to shut up. But uh, within about 15 minutes, the crowd really started uh, doing it. Going really far, much further beyond what I would have done or did. That started with a few petals being thrown at the police and then the police retreated into the stone wall and parking meters were brought out and and chants of gay power and get the mafia out of the bars and then after the police barricaded themselves inside it was like half an hour later the riot police started moving up christopher breaking up the crowd which had really become a very angry crowd with hundreds of bottles and Rocks. There wasn't a, one window left in the whole place after about ten minutes. And they broke the crowd up into small groups. And this went out for like two or three hours back and forth in the whole area. I think mean, they thought that people would just go home or run, uh, especially since they were, were gay people. They're not used to gay people standing up at all especially in front of police but the people would they would chase people away and they would go around the block and come in another way and this sort of tug of war went on all evening and then on saturday night it was much the same thing starting about nine crowds started to gather in the area uh... sort of small groups on the sidewalk and then around eleven or twelve they started taking over the street and stopping cars from coming through unless there were gay people in them uh, a few fires were set but generally it was a, an angry mood uh, a lot of chanting a lot of hand holding uh, a lot of assertion of, of being gay and that, it was a way of saying we're tired of hiding, tired of leading two lives tired of denying our basic identity denying ourselves uh, a general assertion of gay people uh, the newfound pride, really, a collective pride in their identity.
0: The Stonewall Rebellion served notice on the heterosexual majority that a growing number of gays were not afraid anymore and were not content to continue living out their lives in fear and oppression.
2: They say I'm crazy, got no sense but I don't care They may or may not mean offense but I don't care You see, I'm sort of independent, I am my own superintendent, and my star is on the ascendant. That's why I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, what they may think of me. I'm happy-go-lucky, they say that I'm plucky, contented, and carefree. I don't care, I don't care, if I... You get a mean and stony stare. If I'm not successful, it will be distressful, because I don't care.
0: The Stonewall Rebellion will be remembered as one of the major turning points in the homosexual struggle for equality. Dr. Franklin Kameny, president of the Washington, D.C., Mattachine Society, explains why. Whatever one may think of the merits of that particular form of expression of protest or dissent and whatever you may think of the merits of that particular demonstration, that, what's, that those are not that relevant, but what's important is the message which is being conveyed, and that should be made absolutely clear, and that is that we've been shoved around for 3,000 years, and we're tired of it, and we're starting to shove back, and if we don't get what's coming to us and get it promptly, there's going to be a lot more shoving back. Craig Rodwell says, It still is a,
4: a relatively small minority of gay people who do reflect uh, this new spirit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the fact that there is a minority or a group of gay people or a large group reflecting it is very important. And I think it's going to infect the
3: masses of gay people in the, in the coming years. Following the Stonewall incident in New York City, we would see the creation of gay and lesbian activist groups that would begin the struggle for gay rights that continue today. On the other end of the spectrum, the modern anti-gay movement was spearheaded and motivated by Anita Bryant in 1977.
1: You know what we're really fighting for, um, that's just to be left alone, just the right to associate with other individuals, just as every other American citizen wishes to do.
3: Then in 1978, Harvey Milk becomes the first openly gay male elected into public office. IMRU's Greg Gordon recorded this now famous interview with newly sworn in San Francisco supervisor Harvey Milk on February 21st, 1978.
5: I'm Harvey Milk. I'm a supervisor in San Francisco.
6: And I'm Greg Gordon for IMRU. And I'm gay. (laughs) And so am I. And we're up in San Francisco in uh, in Harvey's uh, office at Castro Camera. And uh, Harvey's graciously taken a few minutes out of his very busy schedule <laughs> to, uh, to talk to us about politics in San Francisco and how he got elected. The first openly gay person to be elected to public office in California history.
5: i like to also talk about uh, politics in California rather than San Francisco. That's right. Uh, because I don't think there's a delineation.
6: There's you don't think that there's a difference in, in politics in San Francisco as opposed to, let's say, politics in Los
5: Angeles? It's a matter of degree. There's no moat built around the city of San Francisco that separates us from the rest. Sometimes we wish there were. (laughs) Uh, But I think what takes place in San Francisco, uh, for whatever reasons, can take place any place. It's just a matter of understanding what it's all about. um, San Francisco, it's very interesting because of the fact that I'm gay, that becomes the big media event that sells the newspapers. But it's very important that uh, we realize that I was elected as a candidate who was gay, rather than a gay candidate. Did I run on a gay issue? Uh, In San Francisco, the difference from L.A. is that uh, we are both county supervisors and city council people, one and the same. Uh, the city is divided into 11 districts. Mm-hmm. And uh, since we are city and county, it's one powerful, very powerful legislative group. You have to picture if your L.A. city council and your L.A. board of supervisors were well, one of the same. That's where we are. Uh, and we are an activist group rather than puppets of uh, the strong mayor or something like that. Um, in, in my particular district, we've had about five or six major district battles versus citywide problems. It, in every one, I was involved in them on one side or the other. There wasn't one other candidate. There were 17 people running in this district. There wasn't one other candidate who had been involved in every single district problem. I was there. Um, People on the streets would say to me, Harvey, I don't agree with your issue, but I know you are a fighter. I know you're there. I know you will be there when we need you. They couldn't say that about any of the other candidates in this district or hardly in any other district. Uh, A lot of candidates I ran against would vote right, the same as I do, but they wouldn't be the activist, they wouldn't be the advocate, they would be the the leader. If you add the gay community with the other traditional minorities, we should have control of the state. But we cannot sit in the back of the bus and let the other minorities lead. We should show the leadership. In fact, we are in an incredible position. You see, take San Francisco, which is a very heavy minority city. Over 50% of the population is minority. Uh, because of the fighting for those crowns, uh, sometimes the black community doesn't talk to the Chicano community, the Filipino won't talk to the Asians, the Asians won't talk to anybody, you know. That. Nevertheless, they all talk to me, the gay person. Partly for two reasons. One, because within the gay community, we have gay Asians, gay blacks, gay, you know, we are infiltrated. That's part of the reason. We cut across lines. Second of all, for whatever reasons, I'm, I'm the, the one that can pull it together. So we are trying very strongly to pull together that coalition. In view of that, we realized—at uh, least I have always realized—it's uh, the voter registration. We are kicking off a massive voter registration drive with the Chinese and gay community together soon. Huh. You know, there's many many reasons for that. Working very tight with the Asian community, very tight. And if we can pull it off here, and if LA pulls it off, we pull it off statewide. That in in uh, within 10 years. The minorities will be running the state. And when the minorities, I'm talking about the feminists, I'm talking about the gays included in that. And so we have to fight that. We have to fight with our natural allies. But it can't be just because a person is black or green or gay or orange or whatever it may be. They have to be issue oriented. Can I accept somebody to get up there, I'm gay, therefore vote for me?
6: How do you motivate uh, people to, to register? Because this is a fundamental problem that we've
5: always had. Motivate them say, Do you like Ed Davis? Do you like Senator Briggs? Do you like Lita Brian? you motivate them because you tell them that the legislators and the executive officers, be they the local supervisors, be they statewide, run your life. They run your life and they spend your money. When they collect tax money from gay people and don't give us anything back in return, take it for their golf courses, take our tax money for their pet projects, and on top of it, insult us by not giving us our rights. That's, That's not motivation. If you like being harassed by the police, if you like being uh, a third-class citizen, if you like being beat up by pugs, if you like the church yelling at you, don't register, don't vote. But don't complain. If you want to shove, be shoved back in your closet, if you want to be the traditional gay person who gets beat up and whimpers home and say, well, I'm gay and I deserve to get beat up, fine. Otherwise, the only thing you can do is register to vote. What about the reasonably well-off
6: Gay couples or gay singles in the hills somewhere who never had any trouble with the
5: police, who've never, you know, they can say
6: that's never happened to me. Right. I, you okay. know, why should I
5: get involved? That reminds me of the wealthy Jews in Nazi Germany when when Hitler first was picking up the Jewish communists and Jewish socialism. They were they were they were scum. That's not us. We are accepted. You know, we've been accepted. We we ride in the back of the bus. It's like the Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. And believe me, when Hitler started having the concentration camp, he didn't care if you were a Jewish socialist or a Jewish fascist. You were Jewish, you went. When the Briggs and Anita Bryan take over, they don't care if you are the accepted hairdresser, or the gay doctor, or the gay lawyer, or the gay society person. You are gay, you will go off. And if they don't, if you don't, I mean, if that sounds like a, a stereotype thing, stop and think Nazi Germany. What it did to the gay people. There were 600,000 gay people killed. Prior to Hitler's taking over in the 20s, the gay movement in Germany was more advanced than the gay movement in San Francisco in 1978. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a statewide, uh, a nationwide convention of gay people in Germany, 8,000 gay people. We've never had anything like that here. Um, There were letters written to the Reichstag uh, that told them to throw out the anti-gay laws. Scientists, doctors, uh, everybody was preaching for gayness and acceptability. In Russia, 1917, they threw out the anti-gay laws. And then Stalin took over. That was the end of the gay movement. Hitler took over, then the gay movement. And if you think history doesn't repeat itself, you're crazy. And the only defense about that is it's not just to be organized, but to to get involved and to realize who the common enemy is. Unfortunately, within the gay community, we have uh, such a class distinction and racism within the gay community and sexism within the gay community, because uh, some people think they're better than the rest. When it comes down to it, we all do the same thing. They've got to get involved. The gay elitists, the gay wealthy people, the gay society people, the gay people who have made it, they have to fight the battle now. In many cases, they're
6: in the the better positions to be able to do it.
5: And they're also in the position to lose more. Because the gay street person, i.e. whatever that means, what does that person have to lose? By fighting the battle. Well, that's why they were out in the front at right, the beginning. Right, But the, the, the well-to-do, those who have made it, they've got a lot to lose. They've got to lose what they're worried about. And uh, they're the ones who have to come through. And if they want to stay in their closet and so forth, fine. But get their checkbooks out of the closet. It's needed. It's desperately needed that their checkbooks come out of the closet. Uh, the only, I mean, I know the power I have as elected official in this city. It's incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm restricted by the charter of what I can do or what I can't do, but boy, can I do it. <laughs> and I know that when I speak out in this city, I mean, the police department is nervous, the Chamber of Commerce is nervous, uh, they, I know the power I have. And if you don't start, uh, whoever's listening, if you don't start helping electing gay people and not just gay people, but gay fighters who will get up and not take it uh, and sit back, or will fight for it. If you don't start electing it, uh, we're going to be in trouble. Um, so people, uh, gay street people have to register and vote and they have to realize that it cannot be uh, the, you know, only voting for the people who believe in every single thing they do, you know? There's no such thing. There's no such perfect candidate, you know. Uh, is they have to compromise and bend to realize, they, and, and the gay person who is uh, living in the hills has to realize that he or she can't only support the conservative-type people or the respectable-type people, that uh, the, the, we both have to lose. If you, if you both will lose And if you don't get
6: together We had a couple of gay people running in uh, As candidates for assembly in Los Angeles mm-hmm. In Los Angeles districts 44th and 46th uh, Some political, gay, gay political clubs Did not endorse them What happens when you have uh, Two or three or four Gay political groups Or gay organizations that are in a position to help But who cannot seem to get together <laughs> Because obviously you've got to have A coalesced movement in order to elect somebody
5: What can you say to these people? In my first three attempts to run, I run four times if I win. I was never supported by the gay establishment. I was never supported by the gay political leaders. I was never supported by the gay clubs. And the reason why is if I won, I would have been what I am now that I won. And they would no longer be the top of the hill. They don't realize that there's room at the top for a lot of people. They wanted to be... They'd rather have been the Uncle Tom in the back of the bus, or the Aunt Mary, as I call them, and have, be the token, be the first to discover Barbara Streisand, to be, you know, the, to, the token bag, rather than see a gay person elected and the power go that way. They didn't realize there's room for plenty. And I have found out in San Francisco, the so-called gay leaders of the time, they were for themselves, they were not for the gay movement. And so my answer is to L.A. is get it together. I find it offensive that gay leadership is so jealous of somebody else. I find that offensive. I find that people who say, oh, well, but we owe this to this person like that. I I, The reason is gay political clubs is to get the ultimate, is to get gays elected.
6: You've been listening to a conversation I had with San Francisco Supervisor Harvey Milk in his office at Castro Camera in February 1978. And here's Harvey doing what Harvey probably liked to do best, speaking at the gay pride rally after the local Los Angeles gay pride parade in July 1978, just four months before he was killed.
2: The blacks did not win their rights by sitting quietly in the back of the bus We will not win our rights quietly in a closet. We are coming out. We are coming out to fight the lies, to fight the distortions, to fight the myths. We are coming out to tell the truth about gays. For we are tired. We are tired of the conspiracy of silence. I'm tired of listening to Anita Bryans, twist the language of the Bible
3: to send their
2: homes and it out. But, but I'm even more tired, I'm even more tired of the religious leaders of this nation who know it and remain silent. I'm tired of that. silence. And I'm tired. And I'm tired of this one of great talking and lying about Paul. And he knows it, but I'm even more tired I'm even more tired of the educators and the psychiatrists who know and remain silent yeah.
3: Yeah. Harvey Milk's election to office in populist style brought new hope to the gay rights movement but Milk knew that being the first openly gay elected public official would put him into harm's way he recorded a message to be played in case he would die by assassination
5: is to be played only in the event of my death by assassination. I fully realize that um, a person uh, who stands for what I stand for, an activist, a gay activist, becomes the target or the potential target for somebody who is insecure, terrified, afraid, or very disturbed themselves. Knowing that, I I could be assassinated at any moment or any time. I feel it's important that some people know my thoughts. I stood for more than just a candidate. I have never considered myself a candidate. I have always considered myself part of a movement, part of a sea. I wish I had time to explain everything I did. Almost everything was done in the eyes of a movement. I hope the people who are angry and mad and frustrated take the anger and madness and frustration out in a positive way rather than a negative way. And I would like to see every doctor come out who is gay and every gay dentist and every gay teacher and every gay judge and every gay lawyer and every gay architect come out and rip off the shreds of the closet door and come out forward strongly. It's needed it will be needed more so then. And if a bullet should enter my brain, let that bullet destroy every closet door.
3: On November 27, 1978, Harvey Milk is assassinated by former San Francisco Supervisor Dan White, who murders both Milk and San Francisco Mayor George Moscone.
1: As president of the Board of Supervisors, it's my duty to make this announcement. Both Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk have been shot and killed.
3: In the trial that follows, White's lawyers use the Twinkie defense arguing that Dan White was the victim of diminished capacity caused by the effect junk food and soda had on his already depressed state. The jury agrees, and Dan White is convicted on the far lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter. Pacifica Radio's Fruit Punch Collective was there to record the outrage that followed the announcement of this sentence.
6: The suspect is Supervisor Dan. White has been found guilty of one count each of voluntary manslaughter in the shooting deaths of Mayor George Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk last November
1: 27th. Police have arrived at City Hall.
0: They've got riot squad here on. The police are pushing people off the steps.
6: On the evening of May 21st, 1979, you undoubtedly heard or saw news reports with the banner headline, 5,000 Homosexuals Riot in San Francisco.
5: As with other defeats suffered by the gay community, there was
6: a response. From Fruit Punch, the gay men's radio program on our Pacifica sister station, KPFA in Berkeley.
5: An estimated 30 to 40,000 people marched from Castro and Market to the Civic Center, where a rally was held. We were at that march, and we spoke to some of the people there.
4: What do you think of what's going on right now, sir? I think they should burn down the whole place. City Hall doesn't represent us. The city government isn't
5: representing us.
1: Something is run amok. It's real sad when somebody who murders. the legalized assassination, I don't like to see. Well, I'm
5: just here because uh, I feel like I had to register my feelings some way. Although I'm not gay or anything, I just said he should have gotten so many more than five years. I think
4: today is a... What... A really terrible day for the gay people of San Francisco.
6: Former aide to Supervisor Milk, Cleve Jones.
4: And I'd like to see us move down to 18th Street and start it from there to get the people out of the bar and into the street. So maybe we can start moving down. Yay! So
2: out of the bars, into the street, out of the bars, into the street, out of the bars, into the streets. I'm from
5: KPSA. Fruit you know punch, what I would Game like to say. You know what I'd like to say? I think those jurors ought to be tried. I think
4: if it was me, if I was have been uh, I
5: say I I have a lot of frustrations too. I can't find a job. So I went around there and shot up a couple people just to do something like, because I was angry
2: at them. You think they'd let me out of there? I'd be in there till doomsday if
0: I didn't meet the chair first. And you tell them, whoever they are, I hope they have nice, long, sleepless nights forever. Walking up Hulk, arriving at Grove, right before we enter the city center plaza.
3: Following the demonstrations that erupted in San Francisco, police officers made their way into the prominently gay Castro District and incited what is now known as the White Night Riots, May 21, 1979. Pacifica Station KPFA producers were there to record reactions from people on the scene as well as the manager of the elephant walk bar that was the focal point of the police action.
1: Ron Eam, a resident of the Castro, went on to explain what happened in the Castro last night at about 1 or 2 in the morning after the demonstration had subsided downtown. I was standing at the corner of 18th and Castro talking to people about the events of the day, and the police kept circling around and around and around and around until they finally provoked an incident. Once they had provoked the incident, they just called in. They came from everywhere. It was an army of them.
6: Tuesday night, the tone was remarkably different on Castro Street. The long-planned celebration to commemorate Harvey Milk's birthday came off as planned, without violence.
5: Introducing Harry Britt.
4: Tonight, 15,000 people have gathered to demonstrate with their love that the spirit of Harvey Milk will always be alive in our city. Let no one believe that the step that we have taken is a step from nonviolence to violence. We have suffered too much for at the hands of violent people ever to go down that road. But let us say that never again will our people ever stand by and let Dan White's people rule the day.
3: And that does it for
2: this week's